The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and any guests alone. In addition, the consumption of alcohol was done in moderation in a private space by those 21 and older. Please drink responsibly. Hey all, what's good? You are tuning in to Come Pie, your booze-filled fandom discussions podcast, part of the One Down Podcast Network, and hosted by me, Abby Passion. Now, typically, I would have guests join me in the Come Pie space, but today's episode's a little different. I'm going to be writing solo, which is honestly totally fine, because <laughs> uh, things might get a little personal. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Um... Uh, Because today I really want to talk about gatekeeping in fandoms and representation in fandoms because as much as these spaces can really be a place of refuge and community for some people, I am often reminded of how exclusive and honestly elitist these spaces can still be and why we as members of fandom and hopefully just as decent human beings really need to move past that. And on that note, I have just poured myself a nice tall glass of Carla Rossi sweet red wine. Uh, not sponsored by Carla Rossi. I just really love their wine. But, you know, if you want to sponsor us, we could work on that. Um, feel free to grab a drink if you're of age to do so. And let's go ahead and dive into the episode. Kampai! Just thinking about how sad but also kind of funny that was, just cheersing to my lonesome. But um, it's okay. I just imagine that you all are cheersing along with me. That makes me feel better. <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to start off by saying that I saw the new Spider-Man recently, Spider-Man No Way Home. And don't worry, there are no spoilers here. But there was one scene in particular where, let's just say for Filipinos like myself in the audience, it was definitely a treat. It it was nice to see some of my culture represented up on that big screen, you know, especially for a franchise as big as Marvel meant a lot to me. And, uh, you know, like Filipinos are canon in the MCU now. (laughs) But seeing that outpour on social media later from, you know, other Filipinos talking on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook about that exact same scene, not even the fact that it was just our our community coming out around this movie, but uh, a community of Filipino fans, Filipino Marvel Spider-Man fans coming together. It was nice. Made my heart really warm. And at the same time, also had me thinking back to times in my life where I felt like these fandom spaces weren't for me. And just how far we've come from that. All of that to say, fandoms, of course, still are not perfect and they never will be. But there's just something that will always just really get to me, you know, as a fan, as a partaker in fandom. And it's this overwhelming amount of ignorance, or I don't even know if ignorance is exactly the right word I'm going for, but it's like this overwhelming wave of gatekeeping and the elitism that I still see in a lot of fandom spaces. It's the whole like, oh, 
You aren't a true anime fan because all you know is Attack on Titan and Dragon Ball Z. Oh, you play games and you're a girl? You're probably just a poser, just in it for the aesthetic, the likes. Or, you know, just belittling an entire upcoming generation for their love of certain franchises or, or K-pop. Oh my gosh, I've been a K-pop stan for so long, y'all. I have seen it all. But solely because they are younger. So they couldn't possibly be as big of a fan or hardcore of a fan as I am. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, <laughs> it's just that, that is what breaks my heart, really. Because I believe that anime, video games, K-pop, furries, whatever it is you're into, should be for everyone, should be open to and, and, and accessible to, uh, to everyone, you know? These are no longer the niche communities that people on the outside looking in may have always seen them to be. And I think with just how far social media has come and with all of these new worldwide streaming platforms, people are discovering, you know, new genres, new fandom communities. And why not accept these newcomers with open arms? Like, what is up with this barrier that people want to put up in their fandom? Well, I have some theories, some thoughts. Um, sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I have some thoughts on, on why I think people can just be so protective over these entities, these genres that they love so much. But before I kind of go into all of that, I just wanted to take a little trip down memory lane and share a bit about how I entered the world of geek culture and what that experience was like for me because it wasn't always great. <laughs> like, I know I'm here now, like, hosting this podcast and, and drinking wine, but um, it, it took a lot for me to get here in terms of my identity as a fan. It is definitely not like my students today who all come into class proudly wearing their All Might t-shirt or displaying their, their merch and keychains from their favorite idol groups and, and no one really batting an eye at it. For me, I definitely grew up in, in a time where one, I was probably the nerdiest person of my entire friend group. So even within my own group of friends, I was already an outlier. And two, being a nerd in general was just asking to be outcasted. Although to be fair, I was kind of a cringy middle schooler <laughs> and even early high schooler. Um, I'll save those stories for a different podcast episode. But anyway, yeah, I didn't have a lot of people in my immediate circle that I could really talk as in depth as I wanted to when it came to particularly anime at the time. And I guess also being Asian, it was kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy sort of thing where all the other kids just assumed that I was going to be some anime k-pop freak and uh I mean they were right but like <laughs> I was giving in to that stereotype and because of that I was bullied I was that weird girl who would mumble to herself all the time and do Naruto runs at recess and listen to Asian Kung Fu Generation in the rain on my off-brand MP3 player. <laughs> you know, like, damn, I just feel like I'm digging a hole for myself. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't cool for liking these things. So going into high school, I really tried to be more subtle about my interests and mostly just kept things to myself. 
And aside from like maybe three or four close friends that I would open up to, the only time I could really indulge in all my nerdy desires was in the comfort of my own room in online forums and Tumblr. (laughs) But that, that was when I really started to spiral down the fandom rabbit hole. Those online spaces were like these safe havens for me and it allowed me to connect with other like-minded people, other fans. I mean, <laughs> I I wrote fan fiction for a while. I I wrote Naruto fan fiction. And you know what? They're probably still up on the internet somewhere. <laughs> Um, that wasn't even in my notes to to share with y'all, but you know what? They say that alcohol is a truth serum, so I, I brought myself here. Um, anyway, those online spaces, kind of in a time before social media really became a thing, it was great. Not only did I feel connected to this bigger community, but I, I actually made friends, like good friends from all over the country that I connected with few of them I haven't spoken to in a really long time, but Alex, Mara, Lelaine, Layla, if y'all are out there, perhaps you stumble across this podcast, just know that the friendships that we formed over anime, over comics, video games, um, they really meant a lot to me as someone who didn't have as strong of a community where I lived and where I grew up. And I guess also in a way, it was these same communities that even got me into voice acting in the first place, doing work for fan projects or passion projects. And now here I am in my mid-twenties hosting a podcast on booze and fandom discussions. Really living the life. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, honestly, I am so sorry if this episode seems very all over the place. Uh, But back to the main point, to toxic fandoms and gatekeeping in fandom and just the, you know, this general resistance to, to change or to new, fresh faces and different perspectives in the community. Just based on my own experience from what I've observed, I think it really comes down to three different factors, and that is culture, ego, and maturity. With culture, I feel it's something that happens unconsciously most of the time, but culture plays such a big part in how people consume fandom material or or participate in fandom. For example, you might have grown up in an environment where comics and entertainment wasn't really something people engaged with, or maybe your friend group was never into it, or maybe for whatever cultural or religious reasons, you weren't allowed to watch certain genres or series or franchises. For me, right, I mentioned before that I didn't have a lot of people around me who I could talk as in-depth as I wanted to about anime and, and what I was watching. And actually for another friend of mine, straight up had to hide his love for Harry Potter from his family because their religion didn't allow them to consume anything, you know, related to magic or witches and stuff. And so these things are just general barriers to fandom for fans. And it sucks. Even at conventions, which is like the Disneyland of geek culture, even at conventions, I didn't always feel like it was a welcoming space for me as I thought it would be. Um, They can be really overwhelmingly white and male-dominated spaces where I still felt like my validity as a fan was being questioned. 
And that's not even, oh, that's not even going into the fetishizing of women, especially women of color in cosplay. Like, oh my gosh. Again, another episode, another podcast episode, probably, maybe. Let me know if that's what you want to hear. But yeah, with so much of that stress, I could see how just the culture of fandom itself can be a really intimidating space. And then there's the ego, which, uh, is just a really nice way of me trying to call people assholes. (laughs) Like when you think about the word gatekeeping, like visually, these are the people who literally are keeping guard of the gate. You know, they are the people who think they know what is best for their fandom. They know what it quote unquote takes to be a valid member of their fandom. and, And they like to put themselves above others. It makes them feel good. And whenever I think about those kind of people, I am always taken back to this one very distinct memory I have from middle school and and this one kid who, um, I don't know if I want to put him on blast like by name, but also I feel like there's a very low chance that he will ever discover this podcast. So you know what? Fuck it. His name was Ricky. Ricky was a gamer. He was a gamer, but he was like, you know, the type of kid who... It's too cool for that, but he'll play it. So he'll let people know, but he's like, ah, oh, but you know, I, I play it for the, for the fashion. I don't know. <laughs> but I just remember so clearly one day in art class, this 12 year old boy interrogating me for the whole period on Nintendo trivia because he didn't think that I I actually played any of those games. He'd just go on and on and asking me these really strange questions about the character design of Yoshi and um, whether or not I preferred Xbox over GameCube or what kind of Nintendo games that I had. And he would, in the process, you know, kind of humiliate me in front of my peers and, and other friends if I didn't know the answer to whatever he was asking or in his opinion gamecube forever and i owned an xbox so i'm sorry geez um yeah ricky was just this little asshole of a guy and uh you know no one wants to be a ricky don't be a ricky and ricky if you are by some strange chance listening to this yeah i have no regrets (laughs) i said what i said and You know, I also recognize that there are sometimes underlying factors, too, as to why fans act this way. Like, maybe they were bullied once before for their interests, or maybe they just struggle with social skills. So putting themselves above others in their fandom or in whatever little group or community they're in makes them feel better. It's kind of like that saying of, hurt people hurt people. But honestly, to me, that isn't even an excuse, like ever, for that kind of behavior. And so it's those kinds of people who will ultimately break a fandom apart. And lastly, we got good old maturity. Uh, This can really go both ways. On one hand, you've got a bunch of newcomers, oftentimes younger people, hopping into a fandom, and with that also bringing their immaturity and ego. And uh, that can definitely deflect other fans from feeling welcomed in a space. But on the other hand, you also have, and I see this all the time, these seasoned fans who've 
been in the community for years, and they use that maturity to put themselves above newer fans because they were around longer, or I was here from the very beginning, you know, like they want to keep this one passion of theirs to themselves, to protect it and to keep it pure from, I don't know, feminists? Like, I, uh, and in particular, this makes me think about the hype around Avatar, The Last Airbender, that's really picked up among the newer generation in these last couple years. I've seen a lot of fans take to Twitter or other social media spaces and just really shit on these newer fans who are coming in with their new ships and theories and gender-bent fan art and opinions and you know, like the type of discourse that really powers fandom communities, but these newcomers just end up getting completely berated or being accused of applying like some political agenda to to this classic cartoon. Uh, sorry, almost burped, but um, which to those people, I would actually question whether or not they really understood the message behind Avatar The Last Airbender then because politics was embedded all throughout that shit. So uh, let's talk about that. <laughs> so with all of that being said, fandoms at the end of the day, they should be better communities. And that really comes from fans being better fans, recognizing when things are getting a little toxic, you know? To be honest, there was a point in time for me where I was that, <laughs> I was that Ricky, <laughs> that Ricky ego dude. Like, I would judge my friends on their anime tastes and I would constantly bring up how much more anime I've seen compared to them. And so their opinions on something wasn't valid. But I mean, I just came to realize that if that's how I act, in front of people who are trying to get into these genres, it's just going to make them feel like they can't. And I want more people in these fandoms. I want more people to watch anime, to listen to K-pop. You know, I want these genres to grow and for people to continue discovering these communities. But if I'm just going to stand in front of the gate, then I'm not part of that growth. I'm part of its downfall. And that's the last thing I would want for the fandoms that I love. Now, let's revisit Spider-Man. The Filipino representation we've gotten in Spider-Man and just, like not even that, but just the, the BIPOC representation, queer representation, disabled representation in Marvel, in, in entertainment in general, is literally everything. <laughs> uh, at least it should be. Whether it be bisexual Loki, or the badass women of Arcane, or an entire series dedicated around the lore of Japan's first black samurai. You know, for fans of color, queer fans, all of these communities, now we are getting to see ourselves and our stories in the spotlight where they have always deserved to be. And yet, we still got those Rickies trying to discredit that exposure or water it down to some woke agenda. But no, it's just finally telling those stories of the communities who have been kept out of the big picture for so long now. And I am all for it, as we should all be. Because those are the communities, those are the spaces where I've made the best connections, where I've 
leveled up as a fan and grown really as a person. And that's the kind of experience I would want for, for any fan. To find a place of belonging, to find a place of community, and a space where they can proudly say who they are and what they love and who they love and be welcomed into that space with open arms. Whew, well, that's that. <laughs> I think I kept it together pretty well. The thing about wine is that it, it really hits you. It hits you fast. And being wine drunk is, is something completely different. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like an out-of-body experience. Um, but thank you for tuning in, for hanging in there for, well, for me, it's been, oh my gosh, almost an hour since I've recorded. Uh, hopefully it wasn't that long for you all in the final cut, but I appreciate y'all tuning in, listening to my little ramblings on representation and gatekeeping and fandom communities and I'm actually curious, too, if anyone else has felt like they couldn't really fit into a fandom space before. How did you overcome that? Or what does being part of fandom mean to you? Uh, let me know on Instagram at Kanpai Podcast or, or tweet at me at AbbyPassionVA. I'd really like to know uh, your thoughts since it just it felt like I was speaking into the void for an hour. <laughs> but with that... We have reached the end of this episode uh, as well as the end of this year. So I hope you all enjoy the rest of your holiday season, whatever you may or may not celebrate. Let's try to channel some good vibes, some, some good wine vibes for the new year and commit to not being Rickies in 2022. We will, we will bring down the Rickies. That can be our, our collective Kampai New Year's resolution. <laughs> Once again, you've been listening to Kampai, your booze-filled fandom discussions podcast, part of the One Down Podcast Network, hosted by me, your definitely not sober podcast protagonist, Music again by the wonderful Juice Custodio. And I will see y'all in the new year. Space Cowboys. <laughs>